Welcome to Tales of American History, the Witnessing History Education Foundation podcast, educating Americans to understand the history of their country and of other countries so that they will appreciate the value of America's unique free institutions. Become an American hero who participates in our mission by joining us at witnessinghistory.org, the website of the Witnessing History Education Foundation. View for free the Foundation's documentary films on the website and on the Foundation's YouTube platform. View also the Foundation's free teacher education materials that conform to grade-level education standards at pbslearning.org. Follow Witnessing History on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, take a journey back through time with Kent Masterson Brown and his guest, Sam Hood. Sam is a West Virginia native who graduated from Kentucky Military Institute, then Marshall University, and then served in the United States Marine Corps. He is the author of several books on the Civil War, the latest of which is Patriots Twice, Former Confederates and the Building of America After the Civil War. Sam Hood will discuss with Kent the fascinating stories of the men who were these Patriots Twice, men who served the Confederacy well and ably and, after the war, were called upon by the United States government, colleges, universities, and professional associations such as the ABA and the AMA and other organizations all across America. Welcome, Sam. And now, here's Kent Masterson Brown. I've got with me Stephen M. Hood, and uh, Sam, we call him Sam Hood. Sam, it's uh, great to have you here. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it, I can tell. Well, well, I like to talk, and you like to talk, so maybe this will work. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sam, you've, you've published a book uh, called Patriots Twice, uh, Former Confederates in the Building of America After the Civil War. Uh, I find this book absolutely not only fascinating, but I find it so timely in today's culture. Um, Tell the audience, if you would, just what does the book present to them in a big picture? Well, in the the broad sense, as as we all know, I'm assuming everybody that's listening— uh, there's this broad reassessment of our historical characters, our founding fathers and, and uh, uh, prominent historical characters. And probably, uh, I, I suppose, aside from the Revolutionary War, the most historic and monumental event in American history has to be the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. I uh, got curious as to what the defeated Confederates did after the war. Right. And, uh, and and it's in the context of if we're doing reassessments, uh, and it seems like the critical aspects of uh, of a historic character's life seems to be a lot of focus not on what they did um, uh, that 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 the monument was erected for, but what else did they do and right. the whole the whole person and. Uh, 
And I thought, well, what, it seems like the only thing that's focused on the Confederates is what happened during the war. Right. And I, so I started looking into, I thought, well, what did, what did these guys do after the war? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, it, again, it's in the broad assessment. Yeah. And, you know, if we're going to look at the bad and the good, let's look at the bad and the good. Right. And right. Uh, so that, that, that's basically the, uh, the theme. And for purposes of the book, tell the listeners— how many former Confederates you used in the book to tell the story of what they did after the war? Um, I uh, did not have any particular criteria. I just started studying and looking up, uh, you know, biographies, whatever information I could find on Confederates. And it was very, it was totally subjective. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, and I, as I when I when I speak, as I explain to people, um, I uh, I had to keep raising the bar just mm-hmm. due to physical constraints of the book, unless <laughs> sure. you wanted to do a multi-volume. And uh, I ended up with, uh, as again, I kept raising the bar, raising the bar, raising the bar. And there's many of these men who probably deserve to to be remembered and recognized and chronicled, uh, but. I ended up with roughly uh, 200 mm-hmm. uh, or, per, or more than 200, some of them uh, just in the appendix, mm-hmm. but prob- probably 150, 175 perhaps that I actually gave a summarized biography of what their Confederate service was right. and, and what the achievements were uh, after the war. Right. And in terms of these— former Confederates, um, uh, their achievements after the war covered a lot of things. Some were in the Army, United States Army. Some were college presidents. Some were presidents of great trade associations. Um, Some were in the federal government. Hard to believe, but there were. and you you cover all of those categories, don't you? In this, I do. Uh, uh, in <clears throat> addition to federal government, uh, state governments of non-Confederate states, states right, right, uh, right, of the northern states uh, or states that were created, uh, attained statehood after the war, mm-hmm. uh, and cities, yeah. mayors of unlikely cities. Uh, you mentioned, yeah, trade trade associations or professional societies, AMA, ABA, and right. some of those. Right. Yeah. Right. And right. Uh, uh, and college founders. Right. And and uh, college founders and presidents and board members and those things. Right. And uh, board of visitors members. Right. Vis- or board of governors, board of visitors, board yeah. of directors, as yeah. whatever the university. Yeah. Calls, uh, calls it. it. Calls yeah. it. Let's let's start with. Um, the 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 army the military U.S. The, U.S. The, army U.S. Yep. army um, tell tell the listeners some prominent Confederates mm-hmm. who became prominent in the United States Army after the Civil War yeah um, the uh, I it, it, you know Kent I think you would agree with this or any historian. Uh, no book should ever be called the history of something. Mm-hmm. It should be called a history of something. I agree. Because stuff is found all the time. All the time. So uh, I identified eight uh, mm-hmm. United States Army generals mm-hmm. 
during the during the Spanish American War, and and you know it's it's interesting. I ended up learning about events and characters that I really hadn't had a sufficient level of curiosity uh, to like like Grover Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, all I knew about Grover Cleveland was that there was a great major league pitcher named Grover Cleveland Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back at the turn of the century, but Grover Cleveland learned about him. But uh, uh, also the Spanish-American War. I, did, I didn't know anything about the Spanish. Yeah. I just know it happened. Yeah, um, right, right. But uh, the Spanish-American War was the first conflict, major or minor. It was the first conflict after the Civil War. Right. And uh, it was really intriguing. Uh, it's, it's almost like the defeated Confederates. Uh, it was almost like they got a mulligan. They got got a do-over, and there were uh, when they called for volunteers because you know the U.S. Army was very small uh, uh, during during the years after the Civil War, and it was kind of like when Lincoln called for volunteers for the Civil War. He ended, you know, they ended up with like ten times as many as they were expecting. Right, and many of these came from the South, Mm -hmm. and I actually have in the book I have some examples of some. Uh, circulars that were put out or announcements or letters that had gone out uh, by the United Confederate Veterans encouraging uh, the, the sons of, of our sons and, and our younger troops to volunteer. And we, they wanted to join up with the U.S. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, the uh, eight that I recalled, eight uh, 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 generals of volunteers, though I'm, I'm, I'm thinking maybe uh, Joe Wheeler was actually regular army, uh, but we ended up, I ended up locating eight mm-hmm. and, uh, 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 Thomas Rosser, Fitzhugh Lee, uh, um, uh, uh, Joe Wheeler, um, uh, Castleman, J.B. Uh, Castleman, J. Castleman, Louisville, right. Kentucky, Douglas Gordon, um, uh, Matthew Butler, um, and, uh, and the uh, the most interesting one, <laughs> by anybody's measurement, would be Joe Wheeler. Right. Uh, Joe Wheeler, uh, and one of his subordinate commanders was a young Lieutenant Colonel Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> this is at this is at San Juan Hill. At San Juan Hill. Yeah. 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 And yeah. actually in combat. Yeah. Um, and uh, and commanded troops in combat. And, and now some of the some of these eight generals, uh, some of them were still training and still organizing their units. And there were a couple that were actually en route to either the Philippines or to Cuba. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Joe Wheeler was uh, was actually a command, a, a combat yeah. uh, division right. or corps. Yeah. And yeah, T- Teddy Roosevelt. And by the way, in addition to Grover Cleveland and Teddy Roosevelt, <laughs> you could write a book just on the Confederates on the former Confederates that those two presidents appointed to their administrations. There, there are a lot of them. Yeah. And Teddy yeah. Roosevelt probably had a lot to do not only with his mother, who was who, from a, Georgia, from yeah. Georgia, from very Georgia. much a Southern yeah. Oh, gal, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but also probably service under Joe Wheeler. Yeah. yeah. And, and for purposes of this, the, the audience here, Joe Wheeler, during the Civil War, was a general officer in the Confederate Army, uh, cavalry commander in the Army of, T- of Tennessee. Uh, he served during the Bragg's invasion of Kentucky as the uh, commander of cavalry in the Army of then the Mississippi. So he had a distinguished career as a Confederate 
general officer commanding cavalry. And here he is as a general officer commanding United States Army troops at San Juan Hill with Teddy Roosevelt as one of his subordinate commanders. Right. It's a stunning thing to think about. But he's not the only one. I mean, uh, uh, J.B. Castleman, John Breckinridge Castleman. I mean, he he actually comes from Lexington, Mm -hmm. born over on what's called Castleton Farm on the Ironworks Pike. It's all still Mm -hmm. there. nephew of John Cavill Breckinridge. Um, he had served in, under John Hunt Morgan in the 2nd Kentucky Cavalry, which you chronicle in your book. And then after the war, tell the, the audience what, what he did. Well, uh, if, 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 if a number of these listeners are from Kentucky, they're probably going <laughs> to know— There are a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, pro- pro- probably going to know more than I do. But uh, after the war in, uh, in Louisville, uh, he is, is, is credited with being the founder or the creator of the Louisville Park System. Right. Um, Iroquois Park. Uh, Cherokee. Cherokee Park. Right. They're na- named after Native American tribes. Right. Um, uh, also, again, it's it's in the book. Libraries, uh, one one of the libraries, and I think one of the he was involved in one of the orphanages. Either yeah. either founded it or you know was served yeah. on the board. Uh, very very much very much a, uh, a civic minded individual. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And then and then he raised uh, a, a command to fight in. The Spanish American War, yeah, as well. Kentucky Volunteers, yeah, and they were federalized. I take it, and he mm-hmm. then became a brigadier general in the United States Army, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so he was a major in the Confederate Army, <laughs> right? <laughs> but he got elevated to brigadier general in the uh, yeah the, the, the United uh, States Army. Yeah, the uh, uh, of the eight U.S. Army generals in the Spanish American War. The lowest-ranking Confederate was mm-hmm. a captain, mm-hmm. uh, but four of them were generals, and you yeah. know, a couple of colonels and a major bit uh, captain. I, I believe it was Gordon. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And then, and then Castleman too uh, was at Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't he the first United States governor of Puerto Rico? When uh, he, yeah, the military governor. The military yeah, governor. I, I believe he was. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, another interesting uh, thing we're talking before we went on air. We're talking about John Bell Hood. John <laughs> Bell Hood, one of his sons, uh, graduated from West Point, and uh, uh, Duncan Norbert Hood, <laughs> and he uh, he was also in, in the Spanish American War, and he was after after the war, which was very short, mm-hmm. very brief war. Uh, he was the military governor, or excuse me, the military mayor of the city of Santiago. Oh, in that yeah. interest, in that interest, yeah. So of Cuba, but the Castleman, yeah. I believe, was was more was Puerto Rico. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, sadly, uh, the <clears throat> mayor of Louisville ordered uh, Castleman's equestrian statue mm-hmm. on Cherokee Park uh, removed because he had served in the Confederate Army. Right. And yet, here's this man who, after the war, uh, became a brigadier general in the United States Army. Uh, serving in Puerto Rico, military governor of Puerto Rico, uh, and beyond that was president of the American Saddle Horse Museum, uh, Saddle Association. Horse Associ- Association. Yeah. Um, uh, 
and then the founder of really the park system of, of Louisville. And, right. and he, his equestrian statue was put in Cherokee Park because he was the park commissioner that created this. Right. And they took it down. Right. And as I understand it, it, it w- the statue, he was not in his Confederate military guard. No, no. Yeah. Passed that statue many times. He's sure. in civilian attire uh, because he was president. Well, he's being, being memorialized for what he did for what he as did a there, civilian. As yeah. a civilian. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's even no redemption for, 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 for these, these sure. fellows. Sure. And that's, that's the sad thing. You know. Well, I, I, we use the word reconciliation. Yeah, uh, there yeah. was a lot of that in the in the years immediately after the war by the guys that were trying to kill each other. Oh, I know. And here we are, 150 years later, and the great 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 grandchildren yeah. uh, can't seem to reconcile. No, <laughs> so, no. Yeah. You know, we have a we have a, a a funeral home here in town known as W. R. Millward, and um, that is named for Colonel W. R. Millward who commanded a Kentucky Infantry Union Regiment during the Civil War. Uh, I think it was the 24th Kentucky. And um, I found a newspaper clipping in the local, a local newspaper here in 18, uh, 1919, I think, when the year when W.R. Millward died. And um, the, the newspaper clipping had, what it was, was a... Uh, dispatch from the Confederate Veterans Association of Kentucky mm-hmm. announcing the death of Colonel Millward. And it turns out, as you read through this, this little clipping, uh, W.R. Millward was inducted into the Confederate Veterans Association as an honorary member. They liked him so much. And um, when he died— which is when this newspaper clipping was dated, uh, the Confederate Veterans Association was directing, ordering its members to show up at the gates of the Lexington Cemetery and follow Colonel Millward to his grave in honor of him. And as it turned out, there was something like 300 Confederate veterans showed up to walk behind that carriage with the casket to W.R. Millward's grave. Mm-hmm. I always was— In 1919, that yeah. was probably a substantial number of it the was. surviving ones. It yeah. was. And, and they went all the way there, mm-hmm. uh, went through the service, uh, because they regarded him at that time as a brother. Mm-hmm. And you go, why the rancor now? Uh-huh. These are the men who fought one another. Right. And look at them. Yeah. And look what these people did after the war to try to mend this country. Sure. And Joe Wheeler, J.B. Castleman, what more could one do to try to mend this country than what they did? Well, along those lines, I, I mentioned in, uh, in my talks the example of the Virginia uh, infantryman Confederate who lived in Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> Massachusetts yeah. after the war yeah. and it became a newspaper man and did very well and erected a uh, with his own money mm-hmm. uh, erected a statue of a Union soldier in honor of the Union soldiers this guy was a Confederate veteran and, and a combat veteran yeah, yeah. and uh, and then around 1903 or 1904 the the surviving members of the GAR actually mounted a plaque on the on the same monument uh, with their own funds 
that said that we, the Union veterans of Martha's Vineyard, erect this plaque in honor of Confederate veterans. Oh. So there there was so much reconciliation yeah. then, yeah. Uh, much more than now. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, you also in your book talk about uh, Confederate veterans who became prominent in the United States government. Mm-hmm. And uh, principally, uh, I'm looking at the judiciary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mention at least three of them who served on the Supreme Court of the United States, four. And one became Chief Justice. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about those fellows. Uh, well, they, uh, I, I didn't get uh, too, too deep into it. Um, the uh, one, one was Lucius Quintus Cincinnatus Lamar, which we always get a <laughs> chuckle out of the cool name. Um, and he had been uh, he he had been Secretary of the Interior. Now, and again, off the top of my head, I forget which presidents appointed these guys. Uh, which may uh, put in a little footnote here: uh, ten consecutive post-war United States presidents appointed former Confederates to federal government positions, beginning with, with U.S. Grant, mm-hmm. ending with Woodrow Wilson. Mm-hmm. And I always put it, and then on the tail end, Calvin Coolidge retained a couple, <laughs> but, you know, they were, they were elder. He didn't appoint any. Uh, so, again, I, I don't know who appointed uh, 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 Lamar. He was Secretary of Interior. Right. And then he was promoted to uh, up to, to Supreme Court. Right. And... Um, um, and again, I, you know, off the off the top of my head, there there were four: uh, Douglas, I believe, mm-hmm. was one, and uh, Jackson, Hal Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and again, it, it when I when I discovered this, I'm thinking, you know, there's there's the modern debate nowadays over uh, were Confederates traitors mm-hmm. or were they not. Yeah, and uh, you know it's kind of like uh, the expression, you know, one person's freedom fighter is another person's, you know, rebel, yeah. or or, yeah. or or whatever. Right. Um, the, uh, uh, but I, I mean, to me, the argument is, uh, who who in the world would appoint uh, traitors who just happen to get off mm-hmm. for whatever reason uh, to be. <clears throat> Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, and uh, and, and some other ones that I, I, I right. you'll probably right. mention here right. it, it, later on. There were other positions. Well, n- not to jump ahead of you, but Attorney General, Attorney General, <clears throat> yeah, and not yeah. just one. There mm-hmm. there were two U.S. Attorney Generals <clears throat> who were former Confederates. Were so. former Confederates. Yeah. yeah. The, the interesting one is uh, Ackerman, Amos Ackerman from Georgia, and mm-hmm. he was appointed by uh, Grant. Mm-hmm. And he was sort of controversial because he rubbed a, a lot of people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And he only served for 14 or 15 months and, uh, and finally resigned. Uh, uh, you know, probably Grant asked for his resignation, but he resigned because uh, he was being too hard on the KKK. And he's from Georgia. <laughs> he's from Georgia. He's from Georgia. <laughs> And the so, world turned upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he also uh, he formed he organized or formed the first investigative office, if you will, or investigative unit of the U.S. Justice Department, which eventually evolved into the FBI. FBI. So he's not the founder of the FBI, but 
Yeah, the it, forerunner. The forerunner of it. Yeah. 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 Uh, one, one fellow, you're speaking of Grant, uh, mm-hmm. who became prominent in the federal government was none other than John Singleton Mosby. Yes. A favorite of mine. Maybe because as a kid I watched The Grey Ghost right, on right. television yeah. and it got me hooked. Yeah. On even though you look at it now and it's as silly as heck. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, it was um, it was uh, uh, an important thing to me. Um, Mosby, um, of course, reaped havoc on the Union Army, Sheridans, and others in the upper in Upper Virginia, sure. Loudoun, Loudoun County, County and right. Warren County, et cetera. And um, he made a name for himself in the war. Had a bounty on his head half the time. Uh, but Grant really admired him, really liked him. Mm-hmm. And tell the audience what Grant did with him. Uh, Grant actually, uh, they first met, um, you know, late, late, obviously they didn't meet during the war. Uh, but, uh, and Mo- Mosby mentions uh, uh, that after he met with Grant, he, it was something along the lines of, uh, I think the general, his impression of me is not what he was expecting. <laughs> so I think they hit it off. They did. Pretty well. I, I actually, and I think that was, that's that was almost unanimous among among the the uh, the research I did, which didn't always describe the initial meeting of a former Confederate. <laughs> but of those that did, it's it's kind of like these guys met for the first time, and they all they all kind of liked each other. But yeah. but uh, uh, Mosby <coughs> was appointed um, consul to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, now he maybe Shanghai, one one of the large cities, but but uh, and Mosby was, uh, as I understand it, I'm not a Mosby biographer. As a matter of fact, I'll, I haven't even read a full biography of Mosby. But uh, he was kind of a feisty guy, he was. and yeah, and uh, he was one of these guys that rubbed some people the wrong way and and didn't care. Didn't care. <laughs> I think I think some of us rub people the wrong way, and when we find out, we do care. Well, he didn't care. And if you think about it, you know, it's it's probably the the right aptitude to be a diplomat in those days. Yes, uh, because you're really independent, and right. I don't think you can get further away from Washington D.C. than Hong Kong. No, and that uh, was an important diplomatic, maybe maybe perhaps the most important diplomatic position. But he, he, he stayed in China uh, until he became elderly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I think they, they, they actually wanted to transfer him to some other city. And he said, no, I'm going to stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it would take, I don't know what, how long it took to get a message from one side of the world to the other in right. those days. But it had to be weeks, weeks. At, the, at, yeah. the, at the earliest. Yeah. And <clears throat> which, it, you know, again, com- comes back around to this sort of overall theme of trust, confidence, respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're not going to send somebody to represent the United States government in Hong Kong, and they have to get there by boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to give that person responsibility to represent <clears throat> the United States yeah. uh, if you if if you if you doubt their patriotism at all. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, it's. Um it's interesting. My uh, um, my family came from New York, New York City, and uh, my father was born in Brooklyn. And in 1956, we brought down from Brooklyn 
my great-great-aunt who helped raise my father. And my great-great-aunt, his father, who who is my great-great-grandfather, ran Tiffany's when it was on Union Square. And I asked my aunt one Christmas Eve, sitting around a tree, uh, did you ever meet any Civil War veterans in uh, New York? Well, she said, oh, heavens, can't they were everywhere. <laughs> and I said, no, anything in particular. And she thought for a minute and then said, well, there's one thing I do remember. I said, what's that? She says, my daddy came in and awakened me and my two sisters, one of whom was my great-great-grandmother, my great-grandmother, and um, told us to get our best Sunday clothes on because he was taking us into town. L.A. lived in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. town is Manhattan. And she says, we all got dressed up, went over the Brooklyn Bridge, which just had been opened a couple of a year or two, and um, went to the store, which was Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. And there were three little chairs put up in the picture window. And me and my sisters were told to sit in those chairs. And we asked, why? What are, you, what are we doing here? And they said, just be quiet and look out the window. And around the corner in, and moving in front of the store on Union Square was the funeral procession of Ulysses S. Grant. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, you know, no, that, you, you saw that? She goes, well, yeah, the, it was all 11 miles of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, you mean you saw Philip Sheridan? Yes. You saw William Sherman? Yes. How did you know? And they said, well, the old men would tell us. It would work in the store. There goes Philip Sheridan. I said, the Stonewall Brigade veterans were in that parade. She says, I think so. Mm-hmm. And they were. So here's, here's Ulysses S. Grant. You were talking about, this is what brought this to my mind. Here we are with U.S. Grant. He names John Singleton Mosby as the... Uh, um, to, to Hong Kong as a virtual ambassador to the United States for the United States. And here's Grant. He's named by Grant. And Grant's not, he's not the only one Grant looked to oh, no. who were former Confederates. Uh, he, he was very much interested in seeing them reassim- reassimilate and uh, that this be peaceful and, and, and there be harmony. But so much so that all the veterans— of the Stonewall Brigade out of Virginia mm-hmm. came up to New York and were in that procession mm-hmm. behind that casket. Now, that just stuns me. It, it, when you and think jo- of— Joe Johnston was a pallbearer. And Joe Johnston was a pallbearer. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and Simon uh, Buckner. But I, I started to say Breckenridge, and thank you for— Simon <laughs> Buckner. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, they were classmates at West Point. Yeah. Yeah. And so— Major General Simon, Lieutenant General. He was the oldest living Lieutenant General yeah. or General Officer in the United States, uh, in the Confederate Service when he died in, right. what, 1918, 1919, something like this. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, you had Joseph E. Johnston, uh, Simon Buckner, uh, and then hosts of these just infantrymen right. who served in the Confederate Army in the procession behind right. Grant's Grant's uh, casket. Also, also watching that funeral procession was a young, a young boy named uh, Ted, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt, exactly, yeah. exactly. Which, of course, he said that 
kind of uh, generated his his being intrigued with the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, Fre- and Fred Grant was uh, again. I mentioned it in the book. Ulysses Grant's mm-hmm. son mm-hmm. was uh, like the Grand Marshal uh, at at a at a, a, a parade. I was in Memphis or mm-hmm. New Orleans, and the Confederate veterans were going by, and that they would break ranks. The old veterans, you know, were yeah. in ranks, and yeah. they broke ranks, and they would all go up to uh, the reviewing stand, and they were crying uh, at the sight of Fred Grant. They called him General. General. General Fred Grant. Yeah. Uh, I guess it was more it's like uh, an honorary title. or, uh, But yeah, there, there, was, there was so much. Now, I mentioned this too. I'm, I'm sure there were times that a Union veteran and a Confederate veteran got tanked up out west or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Marshal Matt Dillon had to come in and break them up. But now, I mean, generally speaking, and by the way, one of the uh, one of the founders of Macy's was a Confederate veteran. Is that right? I thought that's where you were going when you mentioned the, the <laughs> Tiffany's and the store. Uh, no, yeah, that's even yet another deal. Yeah, no, they per it was two brothers, and they purchased Macy's when it was not what it is now, yeah. and yeah. they actually grew it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. <clears throat> well, you know, it's interesting when General Roger Pryor from Virginia, Confederate general, fought at Antietam, among others. Um, At the end of the war, he and his wife moved to New York City. Um, And um, uh, in order to live, they took all their family silver to Tiffany's and got cash advanced to them with the silver as collateral. So they basically put up for Hawk everything they owned of value so that they had enough cash to get along. And Pryor wound up becoming a uh, justice of the Supreme Court of New York. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, you speak of reconciliation. I mean, uh, here's a guy in New York City settling down. And he's not the only one. There were just hundreds who did that. Uh, uh, Simon Baruch. Um, right. is one of the prominent ones. Why don't you tell the audience about him? Yeah, Simon Baruch was uh, a Jewish Confederate American, or I guess we would say a Jewish American Confederate American. <laughs> uh, of course, he was born in Bavaria, so right. we can put that in right. there as well. Uh, 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 as a young uh, Jewish immigrant uh, it, to South Carolina before the war, um, went through medical training and joined the Confederate Army as a surgeon, mm-hmm. and we were we were talking here before before we went on air. Uh, he is quoted as as saying that he finished his training and he was assigned to the Confederate regiment as the surgeon, and he said, "I had not done so much as Lance de Boyle." <laughs> so uh, he, he he was right right out of med school. Right out of med school. Uh, ended up uh, with the Thirteenth Mississippi. Served uh, throughout the war. He. Uh, was quote unquote captured at, at Gettysburg. He right. remained behind his, and uh, right. uh, rejoined. Uh, they, they exchanged, right. uh, rejoined, stayed uh, uh, throughout the entire war. He uh, went back to South Carolina and practiced medicine. And he went to New York for what for one year, just mm-hmm. as a volunteer, uh, to uh, serve the uh, slums. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I imagine in those days, the slums of any city were slums that we can't imagine today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, came back, 
uh, it, it resumed his practice, but only for a short time, then relocated permanently to New York. Uh, and I believe he lived there 13, 14 years before, yeah. till he died. And he was uh, very much into public hygiene, uh, clean water, sewer. Uh, they were, you know, they, they didn't know the extent at the time, but they knew there was a correlation between sanitation and disease. Right, and, right, right. And the Hell's Kitchen section <clears throat> of New York, which right. is at, you know, appropriately named, he spent most of his time there. But uh, uh, he had a son. Uh, mm -hmm. named Bernard Baruch, mm -hmm. who is a, sort of a famous, uh, one of the early uh, famous uh, Wall Street financiers. Right, right. Uh, which we were discussing. And Bernard Baruch uh, was an advisor uh, to Woodrow Wilson, uh, mm -hmm. World War One, that had to do with procuring uh, raw materials, minerals, and uh, uh, for the war effort, for mm -hmm. industrializing for the war effort. And after the war, uh, Bernard, or excuse me, after you know, after World War One, uh, Bernard Baruch had made a substantial fortune and started endowing uh, um, chairs, academic chairs, building facilities, med schools. Uh, yeah, the yeah. list is uh, in in honor of his father. <clears throat> yeah, uh, there's a, a school in New York City, Simon Simon Baruch. Right. Uh, school and a park and yeah uh, yeah. yeah so uh, yeah mm -hmm. the, the the Baruchs were uh, uh, Simon Baruch very you know famous and yeah. and made so memorialized permanently by his son yeah yeah and these again are by by the way mention this um, uh, another interesting Confederate veteran I found was um, and uh, off the top of my head it escapes me on my notes with me. Uh, he was the Senate Majority Leader uh, in 1917, uh, <laughs> and and drafted the U.S. Declaration of War against Germany in World War One. Uh, he was a Confederate veteran <laughs> from Virginia. <laughs> I hate to say that I remember his middle name was Martin. Martin. I can't remember. It's kind of like you, you know, <laughs> I can remember your Masterson, but not Kenton Brown. <laughs> Uh, but no, it's pre he was a pre president of the Senate or Senate Majority Leader and 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 authored the Declaration of War, a Confederate veteran, U.S. Declaration of War against Germany, World War One. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Just incredible. Well, you know, we can then go to uh, ex-Confederate officers who were in academe, presidents, first of all, of colleges and universities. Yeah. You know, but, uh, just to quickly insert something before we leave public service. Mm -hmm. Uh, another one that just really raised my eyebrows uh, to the crown of my head were the two U.S. Navy secretaries. <laughs> there were two U.S. Navy secretaries that were Confederate officers. Before, and, during bef the war. During yeah. the war were Confederates. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, and I joke. I said, "Yeah, these these guys were actually uh, put in charge of the the ships they were trying to sink." Yeah, you know, only a few years, years twenty years earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or whatever it may be. But yeah, yeah sec Secretary of the Navy. Uh, talking about education. Yeah, yeah. It uh, that that's a long list. And um, uh, again, I, I I say this in each one of my presentations. Some of them are not surprising. Uh, it might not it shouldn't surprise anybody <clears throat> that a former Confederate 
was a president of the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Right. So, uh, but there are others that are quite interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, before I mentioned president, there were founders. Uh, there were many, many uh, schools, uh, universities, and colleges that were founded by Confederate veterans. Right. And like off the top of my head, uh, Virginia Tech. Right. Um, uh, and uh, uh, Texas A&M um, and, and others. The, but the ones, uh, the ones I think that are, are kind of go against the grain of our modern uh, narrative is that there were four schools exclusively for African-American, for freedmen, that were founded by former Confederates, Alabama State, mm. Alcorn State, uh, Mississippi, right. uh, Prairie View A&M in Texas, and uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Wow. So there were four, four of the, and they're still around, still flourishing as, as uh, I think they call them historically black colleges now, but they're African-American colleges, <clears throat> and some exclusively for women, mm. uh, because not all colleges accepted women. Uh, but th yeah, th there's a there's a pretty interesting list of uh, colleges that were founded by former Confederates. And by the way, <laughs> it, in my book, uh, Ken, I'm like you. I'm a, a exclusively a nonfiction guy, and those cursed footnotes <laughs> that take you longer to write than the book itself. Right? You know, th does the comma go outside the close parenthesis? <laughs> You know, yeah, it, it's and that changes like the tide. Oh, it, it doesn't. It. Uh, this one, uh, and when I spoke to our friend Ted Savas, yeah. Savas Beatty, yeah. my publisher, Ted's a good friend. Yeah, uh, and we decided I, I'm just I was just going to do a bibliography, but but um, because the book would have been twice as long just with the footnotes, but the one once I did decide, you know, I thought if if I say that. Uh, this guy was a senator from, you know, Missouri. Somebody doesn't like that fact. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, who cares? You yeah. know, it's not going to raise a big ruckus. Thought, but, you know, if if I say that somebody was a founder or co-founder of a university, uh, the university, there might be some universities that, that uh, don't like that. Yeah. Uh, I footnoted those. <laughs> did you really? I did. It it. it <laughs> It, I, I'm being honest here, uh, but uh, but but you know because really, what is a founder? Uh, you yeah. know, it, it's kind of a fuzzy term sometimes. Yeah, you know, like Clemson, Clemson. Uh, Lieutenant Thomas Green Clemson. Right, he gave him the land and the money to build the first buildings. That's pretty clear. Yeah, but there are others where there would be like a governor who would say, "I like Alcorn, oh. Alcorn State." I want a college there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, you know, governors can cause legislatures to do things that they don't always want to do. Right. Uh, but if so, I footnoted either from the state historical society uh -huh. or from the university itself. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there were there were uh, there were probably 20, 30, 40, perhaps. Yeah. And in postgrad schools like. Uh, for, off the top of my head, uh, University of Arkansas Med School. Mm -hmm. uh, there were eight. It recognized there were eight founders of it. Seven of them were con former Confederate surgeons. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What one that shocked me was the guy, the ex-Confederate who became the president of um, of 
Cal Bur- University Cal of California at Berkeley. Cal Berkeley. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, that that was well. We were just talking founders, and and in the book I have categories. You know, like I broke it down into education, and then within the yeah. education category, you know, I had founders, presidents, and yeah, and and directors. But yeah, it was uh, 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 John LeConte. LeConte. LeConte, and he and his brother were from South Carolina. They were brains. They were mm-hmm. smart guys, mm-hmm. mineralogists, chemists, and yeah. all that, and uh, served in the uh, served in the the uh, Confederate Ordnance Department yeah. or division. Yeah. But he and his brother uh, went back to Columbia, or what was left of it after right. the war. And uh, in their memoirs, his, the, the other brother's memoir, he mentioned that they just couldn't get anything done there, so they went to California, uh, <laughs> like every like everybody did for many decades. But not now. Not now. They're, they're kind of going the other direction, but that's exactly. a whole different subject. Um, but uh, yeah, and ended up in the San Francisco area, and he was not he he was the second and fourth president of Cal Berkeley. Unbelievable. He was not the first. Pre- I thought he was the first president, but then I was giving a talk, and you know, when you give a talk to a hundred people who are really into history, there's usually there's at least one person there that knows something about <laughs> all that. these <laughs> all these little things. And yeah, he was the second and fourth president, and taught there. And his brother, um, if I can lead into sure. his brother, yeah, you know, absolutely. His brother John LeConte uh, also went to California and taught at Cal Berkeley for a while, but John LeConte. Became friends with John Muir, uh, mm. you know, kind of an iconic uh, naturalist preservationist, right. one of the first mm. naturalists. And and jo- Joseph LeConte and Muir were distressed at mining and logging and things that were going on in the Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. And they sort of, they're, you know, they're not listed as the founders, you know, Teddy Roosevelt is considered the founder of Yellowstone. Uh, but they they are they had a lot to do with Yosemite, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and Joseph LeConte um, uh, co-founded the Sierra Club with incredible with John Muir, and uh, you know this is you know a pretty progressive oh, yeah. environmental group that was co-founded by a former Confederate officer. It's incredible, yeah, just yeah. In, just and, incredible. And uh, uh, but anyway, <clears throat> yeah, there was Cal Berkeley uh, and. Uh, uh, you know, again, a lot of the schools are not surprising. Yeah. But you know, the the for instance, you're talking about. I was talking about Virginia Tech here. The the uh, president's home at Virginia Tech is called the called McBride House. Mm-hmm. Over one of the founders and, and early presidents of Virginia Tech, yeah. McBride is, is he's a yeah. Confederate veteran. Yeah. Buchanan House uh, at the U.S. Naval Academy with in Annapolis. Mm-hmm. Named after Admiral Buchanan, who yeah. you know was was the uh, an admiral in the Confederate <clears throat> Navy. Absolutely. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's uh, and and the uh, uh, there were Confederate veterans that served on the board of visitors of uh, I get West Point and Annapolis mixed up, yeah, uh, but yeah. sir, in the service academies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. James Lane became president of uh, Lane. Virginia Tech. Yeah. Um, and it's their football field is Lane Stadium. Yeah, it's Lane, Lane Stadium. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, we could we could go on and on with with, with yeah. some of this. Um, uh, and of course, I guess the most prominent of all Confederates to become a college president was Robert E. Lee. Yeah, yeah. Who became president of a little 
busted school in in the upper valley named Washington College. And, uh, yeah, you know the uh, it, it's funny uh, uh, in in the book. You know, I've, I've spent a lot of time on a lot of guys because yeah, they did a yeah. lot. Uh, Robert E. Lee. I mean, how many books on the Confederacy do you remember? <laughs> Robert E. Lee just gets a sentence or two. Yeah, uh, yeah. because that's all he did. Yeah, you know, not. You know, right. but air quotes all. Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, when we were designing the cover, uh, I actually, I on the cover of the book, I actually have a picture of each of eight different Confederates in their Confederate uniform, and then their distinguished ones with the white handlebar mustaches and the, <laughs> and the tie right. clip, and, you know, the three piece suit as, as older. And I love people. the Mosby one with his head leaning yeah. in his hand. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. great pose. But but anyway, uh, I, I wasn't going to put Lee. On there, but then uh, you know, talk, my publisher and I talked. So you know, it's it's almost blasphemy not to have a book with a Confederate. <laughs> but you, everybody's going to say, "Where's Lee?" So, Where's right, Lee? We, we put Lee on there. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he say well, and William and Mary was saved by uh, the Ewing, right? Uh, w- at, with his own money, right. rebuilt it because it was right. basically demolished during right. the war. Yeah, yeah, but quite and, quite a bit. Uh, Mississippi State University owes its uh, origins to uh, Stephen D. Lee. Stephen D. Lee, right. Who was uh, served in Lee's Army as well as in the Army of Tennessee. Yep. um, Yeah, you could go on. Evander Law, University of Florida, which he actually founded. uh, There ended up being four or five public, quote-unquote, colleges. Uh, He founded one of them, and then they, at some point, the state, uh, combined them all into one central University of Florida. So yeah. he, he's one of the co-founders of University. Yeah, it, it goes. It goes on and goes on. goes on and on. And, the, and, and as I uh, mentioned, in the appendix, uh, as I was looking for founders and presidents, I came upon professors every mm-hmm. once in a while. And some of them, and I, I went ahead and just put them in an appendix, but some of the places were taught. University of Vermont. Yeah. Uh, Harvard. Harvard. There's you, you got at least one Harvard guy I, in there. I, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> Johns Hopkins, but the other like Amherst, yeah. <laughs> a, a Confederate veteran at Amherst, and Wisconsin Milwaukee, yeah. or excuse me, uh, Wisconsin Madison, Madison, right, and uh, University of of the Pacific, and University of San Francisco. Uh, a mayor of San Fr- or excuse me, a mayor of L.A. While we're <laughs> talking about <laughs> was Berkeley, it? yeah, yeah. Well, no, a mayor of Los Angeles. Yeah. I know we're getting away from the college, but a, a Cameron Tom was mayor of Los Angeles in 1900. He was a Confederate veteran. Uh, uh, a mayor, a mayor of Minneapolis. Can you imagine? Was a Confederate veteran. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then, you know, the the uh, the great trade or professional associations, uh, yeah. uh, the American Medical Association. Yeah. Four former Confederate surgeons were presidents of the of the AMA. Isn't that incredible? Two, two of the ABA. Wow. Um, American Academy of Arts and Sciences, uh, Sierra Club, I mentioned. I, I don't know. I don't know that LeConte was an officer, but he was a co-founder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. American Gynecological Association, uh, American. Yeah. Just several of them. Yeah. So uh, to, to wrap up, um, Sam, how do you put into a, a, a synopsis of what these former Confederate veterans did to rebuild America after the Civil War? Well, you know, I, I, I think 
you, you know, the, the overall point after I finished my research, you know, and you kind of, you know, you step back and, you know, yeah. what, what, what's, what's your overall uh, effect? What's the main effect? To me, it, it, it wasn't so much or it wasn't necessarily uh, or only what the Confederates did mm -hmm. because these were high-achieving Americans – and if you're a high achiever, you're going to achieve highly wherever you are. Right. Correct. The, what, what, what really affected me was what the citizens, what society, what the federal government thought. Mm -hmm. They entrusted these people. They allowed them to participate in the in the growth and the development of the United States between you know 1865 and 1910. Right. Uh, uh, it, it's, it, I, I, I think there was a great deal of respect. Um, I guess maybe like in sports, you know, you, you, you know, it's, it's a, uh, a, a high profile program and they, they play some little school and the little school makes them work. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you end up, even though they're vanquished and defeated, you, you respected them. Of course. Uh, so, you know, it's the uh, the former Confederates said, we're Americans now. I mean, there, there's there's lots of quotes and things. Right. We're Americans now. Uh, we want to we want to participate. We want to help grow it. And the rest of America said, we want you. Right. Let, yeah. Let's, we want you. We, we'll take you. We want you. Right. So we need, it's what we they, need people like you. Yeah, right. It's what they were willing to do. And it's what they were allowed to do. Yeah. As well. Yeah. So it's like a two-part thing. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yep. Sam, look, thanks. Thanks for coming. Yeah. I really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah. And um, it's a fascinating subject and uh, one that really needs some real play in today's life. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, I wish I, I wish I had a, uh, either a copy of the book or at least the, the information in it. I wish I had it on the desk of every decision maker yeah. uh, who's, who is, you know, make, making, uh, uh, deciding on what to do with that Confederate monument or with that building or with naming that street. Right. It's just before you do it. You know, let's, let's get get to know these get people. Get to know these people. Get to know right. them, yeah. Get, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Thanks again, pal. Thank you. Good seeing you. Lots of fun. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thank you all. Become an American hero who participates in our mission by joining us at witnessinghistory.org. Download our documentaries and free teacher education materials that conform to grade-level education standards at pbslearning.org. Follow Witnessing History on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.